You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of John, if you would, this morning. We're continuing our series, actually wrapping up today, our series that we've been going through over the last uh, four weeks, uh, entitled Re-Gift. If you missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up at our website at whoecala.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast uh, on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. We also have a smartphone app or tablet app if you want to download that to uh, get caught up that way. Whatever you do, uh, hear out these messages. Last uh, week was a heavy message on forgiveness. Uh, If you missed out on that, listen to it online. Uh, If you were helped by it, you should probably listen to it again, Uh, and so it it was a heavy but helpful message uh, on forgiveness. And today we're taking a look at, we're wrapping this series up. The first week we took a look at regifting love. Uh, Second week we took a look at regifting grace. Last week, regifting forgiveness. Today, regifting the greatest gift ever, the gift of Jesus. Uh, John chapter 14 is where we're going to be at. Uh, We're going to start in verse number one. Uh, Grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14, verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Lord, we have no idea where you're going. We don't even know how to get there. How do we get there? Verse number six is a verse you should circle, you should star, you should underline in your Bible. This is probably one of the most important verses in all of the New Testament. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should known that have known my Father also, and henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that hath sent me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? In other words, uh, Philip was saying to Jesus, Well, show us what God looks like. And he goes, Philip, don't you get it? I've been walking with you all this time, and this is what God looks like. The, the story of Christmas is that Jesus, who is God, became a man to live among us. And Philip says, Hey, show us what God looks like. And, and Jesus said to Philip, Philip, you're looking at it. Verse number 10, believe not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you. I speak not of myself, but the Father dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, else believe me for my very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father." Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. You shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Today is a special day for our family. December the 23rd uh, marks a nine-year anniversary of a life-defining moment for our family. Uh, you might think it's something big, something exciting. It was definitely exciting for sure. Uh, my, I was at work uh, the day before Christmas Eve uh, in 2009. I was sitting at my, my desk, and my wife calls me, and she says, honey, you've got to come home right now. And how many of you know that's never a good feeling to get a phone call like that? And I said, what is it? And she said, the boys were playing. Thatcher put a blanket over Vanderlei's head and began to spin him really fast in circles. Okay? And what happened? 
Vanderlei fell down and he hit his two front teeth and broke his front teeth. And I said, can you handle this? Like, do I really have to come home from work for something like this? He said, you, you got to see this. You got to come home. And I said, okay, fine, I'll come home. And so I come home, and uh, he's sitting on the couch, and Vanderlei's crying, and Thatcher's sitting on the couch, and Thatcher's crying, and uh, it's it just a bad scene. And I said, how bad is it? And this is what I see. We got a photo of it. Let me see. This is what I see. Perfect, a perfect circle on those two front teeth. Perfect circle, right? And so uh, I, I think to myself, has he lost his front teeth yet? That's the first thought, thought that goes through my mind. Maybe these aren't his permanent teeth. And I asked Angela, I said, has he lost his front teeth yet? And she says, he has. These are his permanent teeth. Great. So uh, I said, well, I said, well, I guess we got to take him to a doctor, to a dentist. Now imagine trying to find a dentist open the day before Christmas Eve at like three o'clock in the afternoon, right? And so I'm calling around. We have a, we had a friend in our church who was a dentist. So I thought, no problem. I'll call Brian and Brian will get him in, get this fixed, and we'll be home in time for, uh, for the day to be over. And so uh, I call Brian and I get his uh, voicemail at his office and he says, uh, hey, thanks for calling the office. This is Brian Lee. We're out until uh, January the 25th. And it's just like, oh, this is not good at all. So I, I start calling around, asking folks who can get him in and finally get him in uh, to a place there. I, I go, and I said, we have dental insurance, so this should be 100% covered. They said, no problem. And so they get him back. They look at everything, uh, and they say, uh, okay, great. Uh, here's how much it's going to cost. And they show me the cost, $2,800. I said, no sweat. We got dental insurance. That's, that's what we pay for, right? Dental insurance doesn't cover accidents. Okay. Well, how much of this do we actually have to pay? $2,800 worth of it. Great. This is awesome. And so they get in, they start looking around and stuff like that, and they realize one of them is broken up so deep uh, up high that they have to pull it. Uh, the other one, they think they can shave down and shove a fake tooth on that one, but the other one can't be saved at all. And so the day before Christmas Eve, mind you, nine years ago today, that's why today's such a special day for us. <laughs> And I didn't know they did it this way, but, but evidently they do. And so they, they said, we have to pull the front tooth. And I said, okay, pull it. And I'm thinking to myself, like you pull it like you pull a tooth, like wiggle it and see what happens. No, no, no. The doctor grabs a pair of pliers, puts it on his front tooth. I'm not making this up. I, I, this will be burned into my mind for the rest of my life. The doctor puts his leg up on the side of the chair. <laughs> like, like this like leg up on the side of the chair like this with a pair of pliers and starts to pull while Vanderlei starts to scream bloody murder. And you know what he says? Dad, help me! <laughs> what do you do with that? Poor kid, I mean, he's like seven. Most traumatic experience of my life. I can only imagine his, right? But all's well that ends well. We, get the, what the, we have the after photo. Look here, this is uh, the, the next day. Uh, what we look like. Look at that. <laughs> Little Bucky Beaver teeth for Christmas, right? Isn't that great? So this got us by until we could actually have it done. And so to this day, he has one uh, fake tooth. He actually wears a flipper. You can actually pull out and, and sit to the side if you want to. So it's kind of fun. Uh, he, says, he says he wants to use it in basketball when he gets fouled really hard to like pull it out and be like, ref, you know, look at this. I lost a tooth. Dude. You only get to use that once, okay? So save that for when you really need it. And so uh, needless to say, the song, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth, is not funny in our house. 
because we know two front teeth cost $2,800, okay? Don't do it. But uh, seven years old, that was a, a Christmas present for him that year and the year after that and the year after that too, I think. When I was uh, nine years old, I received the greatest gift that one could ever possibly receive in life, and it's even better than your two front teeth. I received the gift of Jesus. From that time, I received a gift that I've never lost and I never will lose. It's a gift that for me, I've committed the rest of my life to take this gift that I've been given and to give it away to other people, to re-gift Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you today to do this. If you've never received the gift of Jesus, receive it today. If you have received the gift of Jesus, re-gift it to another person that you know. That's the idea behind this. As we look at this passage of scripture, I want you to write a few thoughts down this morning. First and foremost, Jesus is the greatest gift. It's it. I've gotten a lot of good gifts in my lifetime. Uh, I remember when I was in, uh, in high school, I wanted an electric guitar, and my parents bought me an electric guitar with an amplifier, and it had a distortion button on it so I could push the button and like jam out like I was playing rock and roll. I never learned to play the guitar. I would just sit in my room and go, rah, 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 and pretend, right? Never actually did anything with it, but it was kind of cool. I remember throughout the, the years, I received my very first stereo for my room, and I was so pumped about that. I upgraded from a jam box to a real stereo. Man, I thought I was something then. Then I got a CD changer where you didn't even have to take it out. You could just hit the next one. And it would circle through five CDs, right? Some of you are looking at me like I don't know what a CD is. You would, I'll tell you later. I'll explain it to you, okay? It was awesome, though. Let me just tell you that. But there's one gift that absolutely changed my life forever. I haven't been the same since. And because of that gift, I'm a better man. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend, and I'm just an overall better person for this gift that I received, and that's the gift of Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Paul says, I can't even put into words how good this gift is. I can't even begin to explain it. I could write a book, honestly, on the changes that have happened to my life since I received this gift. Now, I've received a lot of other gifts that didn't last very long. Uh, for example, uh, if you gift our family a Cheesecake Factory gift card, I promise you it will be gone by the end of the day. It does not last long at all, right? You give us cookies, chances are they probably won't make it a couple of hours because they'll be gone. But what about a gift that would change the rest of your life? What about a gift that would change the rest of your eternity? That's the kind of gift we want that's the type of gift that we want to give. You see, Jesus gives us the gift of hope. I don't know about you, but uh, it's kind of discouraging to live in the day that we live in. You turn on the news, you're gonna get discouraged. Uh, you listen to people talk around, you'll get discouraged. There's plenty of bad news out there for sure. Things about the economy, things about politics, things about government shutdowns, things about uh, people that don't like other people and things about uh, things like that. We, we hear negative stuff all the time and everybody's looking for just a little bit of hope. We're just looking for something to hang on to that's good out there. And we think to ourselves, maybe we'll get some hope in the next election cycle. Maybe we'll get some hope on some new program that the city's gonna implement for us. Maybe we'll get some hope in the new year. Oh, January 1st, it's gonna be a new year and a new me. 
And what do you find out by like January 10th? It might be a new year, but you're still stuck with the same old you, right? But we're just looking. Hey, maybe January 1st will bring a little bit of hope for us. But you know what happens after January 1st? January 2nd. And you know, by like January 17th, you're back at work doing the same things that you've always done. That kale salad diet that you decided to go on at the new year didn't last, and you find yourself in the drive-thru at McDonald's ordering a large Oreo McFlurry with extra Oreo. I know because I've done that before. And guess what? We're just looking for a little bit of hope. Let me just tell you this. When you look for hope in anything that this world has to offer, you will be disappointed. Not once, not twice, not 90% chance of disappointment, 100% chance, guaranteed. But Jesus brings hope. And when we talk of hope, we're not talking about a wish. Like, I hope I don't have to work very long. I hope I get all my Christmas shopping done before Christmas Eve. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. We're not talking about hope like that. When we talk about hope, we talk about a confident expectation in the future based on the promises and the character of who God is. I know what's going to happen because of what God has said and because of who God is. And that's what Jesus brings. Hey, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know that tomorrow is going to be 100% A-OK because Jesus is in charge. I don't know what's going to happen a week from now, six months from now, but I can know that everything's going to be fine because God's promised that he's going to take care of everything for me. And I have a hope. Not that uh, maybe I'll get a better job or maybe I'll move uh, different addresses or maybe I'll be in a different relationship or maybe I'll find something. I'm talking about, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything's gonna be okay because God is in charge and Jesus brings hope. That's why for Christians, Christmas is one of the greatest holidays that was ever, ever created. And people can say, well, if you read, Research Christmas and where it came from. It came from a pagan holiday. Hey, I don't care about any of that. All I know is our entire world stops and thinks about the birth of Jesus right now. And I'm going to jump on that train. I'm going to ride it, okay? So for us as, as Christians, Christmas is awesome because Christmas brings hope. Why? Because it's the birth of Jesus, and Jesus is hope. Titus chapter 2 says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus not only gives us the gift of hope, Jesus also gives us the gift of eternal life. What happens after we die? Is this really all that there is to life? Try to make a buck, try to be happy, try to chase happiness, and then after this is all over, somebody just digs a hole, puts this in it, and it's over and done with? That would be a pretty uh, boring existence, I would say. But the Bible says there's something after this life. Actually, this life is just a very, very short blip on the radar of eternity. And after this life is over, we'll spend eternity one of two places. And Jesus gives us the gift of eternal life. If you take a look at uh, our passage this morning, John chapter 14, Jesus says in uh, verse number uh, six, or I'm sorry, verse number four, and whither I go, you know, in the way you know. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's talking about heaven. And he says, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. And Thomas, sometimes referred to as Doubting Thomas, because he always had questions, says to Jesus, Jesus, we don't know where you're going and we don't even know how to get there. And he says to Thomas, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. If you're looking for eternal life, Jesus says, I've got it. If you're looking for heaven, Jesus says, I'm the way. If you're looking for lasting peace and fulfillment, Jesus says, everything you need is found right here. John chapter three, verse number 16 is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said this, God had one son and one son only and he gave him that whoever believes in Jesus will not die but will have everlasting life. You see, This life comes with an expiration date. And unfortunately, we don't know when that is. My wife always combs through all the milk at the store to get the one that has the longest expiration date. What she fails to realize is we have boys in our house. They go through a gallon of milk in about six hours, right? You don't need to get milk that's good for two weeks. You need to get milk that's good for the next 24 hours, right? We go to this store and she's always like, well, let's get some meat, let's get some steaks that will last a couple of weeks. Hey, I'm planning on grilling tonight. I don't know about you, but I, like, I can't think two weeks ahead. I'm thinking about dinner tonight, right? Everything has an expiration date. Here's the problem. You don't know what your expiration date is for life. You just don't know. You might have a couple of years, a couple of decades, Hey, I hope every single person in this room lives to be 112 and you die of natural causes. I really hope that you do. But the likelihood of that happening is very slim. The average life expectancy in the United States for a a U.S. male is 76 years old. That means I've got somewhere in the ballpark of about 35 years left if I live an average life. But here's the thing. I might have 35 days left. I don't know. I need to be ready today. I need eternal life, not when I die. I need eternal life and the promise of that today. And Jesus says, whatever you're looking for, I've got it. And belief in Jesus gives us the hope of eternal life. Jesus tells us that he is the way. He's the path for everything that you're searching for in life. I don't know what you're hoping to get under the Christmas tree this year, but I know this, Jesus is the source of happiness. There's nothing that you could unwrap in a tangible way that will bring lasting happiness the way that Jesus is. He says, I'm the way. I'm the path for everything that your heart yearns for in life. That fulfillment, that satisfaction that you desire, it's found in me. He says, I'm the way. He also tells us that he is the truth. Jesus goes on to say in John chapter eight, verse number 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's not a cute little quip that uh, politicians say. That's the words of Jesus himself. Hey, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's a liberating truth that we find in Jesus Christ. Hey, guess what? When I get a hold of the truth that I don't have to live for this world, I can live for something bigger than that, man, that takes a load off of my back. When I realize that I don't have to meet somebody else's expectations that they have for who I should be or what I should do or what type of car I should drive or what type of education I should have or what kind of clothes my kids wear, what school my kids go to, I just need to live for Jesus. That sets me free in a way that nothing else can. And Jesus says, I'm the truth that will make you free. And he says this too, I am the life. You see, Jesus gives us life not only for eternity, but he gives us a purpose and a reason for living today. 
I don't have to wait till I die to find the good stuff that Jesus has given me. I get to live in the good stuff that he's given me today because he's promised us life. John chapter three, verse number 36, he says, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not on the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Keep your finger here in John 13. We're gonna come back in a second, but I want you to turn back to John chapter three. It's a really heavy passage of scripture. I want you to look at what he says here. (coughs) When we die, we will go one of two places. The Bible says that there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell. All of us would like to believe that we're gonna go to heaven. We're decent people. We try to be good. We came to church the Sunday before Christmas. This is like as good as it gets, right? Maybe not. The Bible says that despite how good you are, and again, I don't doubt that you're a good person, all of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things that we're not proud of. All of us have sinned against God. And the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, this guy right here included. We all sin. We all make mistakes. And I'm not talking about your sin, that one thing that you did one time when you were in college, that one thing you did in high school that you're super uh, guilty about. I'm talking about this week, the things you did that weren't right. I'm talking about this week, the thoughts that you thought, the things that you did, the words that you said that weren't right. That's sin. The Bible said all of us have done that. And because of our sin, the Bible says we've earned something for our sin. We've earned eternal death because of our sin. There's two places, heaven and hell. The default location for everybody in this room is automatically hell. The Bible says the wages of sin, what you've earned because of your sin is death, separation from God forever in a place called hell. That's the worst news that anybody could ever get. You're gonna die. You're gonna be separated from God for all of eternity because of your sin. But why Christmas is so awesome is that God doesn't want you to die in your sin. God doesn't want you to die and be separated from him forever. God sent his son Jesus to die in your place. He came lived a perfectly sinless life, died on the cross and paid for my sin and paid for yours so that we don't have to be separated from God. That's the gift of Christmas. Jesus died in your place. You see, because of your sin, God says somebody's gotta die. You can die or Jesus can die in your place. But you have to make that choice. You have to choose to accept that payment on your behalf. Just like you go to a restaurant and they bring you the bill at the end, somebody has to pay for that. It'd be great if somebody came along and said, hey, Mr. King, I'm gonna take care of that for you. That'd be awesome. Or I could say, I don't need anybody to pay for me, I'll take care of it myself. God says you got a choice for your sin. Pay for it yourself or let Jesus pay for you. But know this, Jesus loves you. That's why he died in your place. That's why he came God's love for you, Jesus' love for you is what makes Christmas so amazing. We have a gift of eternal life that's been given to us. We must choose to accept it. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home when you die, it's very, very simple. The Bible says you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that he died for your sin and ask for forgiveness of your sin. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus Christ and you confess your sin to God, that you can be, here's the Bible word for it, saved. You can be saved from your sin. The Bible says you can be born again. 
And why is that so important? Because if you look here in the, the book of John, chapter number three, Jesus says this, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You're in John chapter three right now. Take a look at uh, verse number uh, uh, six. I'm sorry, verse number five. John three, five. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, seriously, seriously, I'm talking to you. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There is no other way to heaven other than Jesus. That's what he says. There's no secondary route. There's no workaround that you could do to get there. Again, you're in John chapter three. Uh, if you take a look at uh, verse number 36, he believe, that believeth on the Son, that's Jesus, hath everlasting life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's heavy words, but I want you to get this today. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today and you are saved and you are born again, you will receive the gift of Jesus, the gift of hope, the gift of eternal life, and there's nothing anyone can ever do to take that gift away from you. It's a gift. It's the gift of Christmas, man. That's the good stuff. But know this. If you reject this gift today, which you're free to do, and you say, no, I'm good. I don't need that gift. The Bible says, this verse here, the wrath of God is on your head. You've got a death sentence on your head. And when you die, it only gets worse. There's a place called hell that is real. It burns with real fire forever. And that's where every single one of us are headed unless we are saved or born again and put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why this church exists. We don't exist just to get together and feel good about life. We don't get together just to get together and sing songs and go home. We get together because we all need the same thing. We all need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need this gift, and I need to take this gift and pass it on to as many people as I can because everybody needs Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way. Again, we're in John chapter three, verse number 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be. There's that word again, saved. Verse 18's heavy. He that believeth on him is not condemned. That means you're not responsible for your sin. If you put your faith in Jesus and you receive the gift of Jesus and the gift of forgiveness, you are not held responsible for your sin. Jesus was punished in your place. He died in your place. But if you read on, it says, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Some well-meaning people sometimes say, well, all roads lead to the same place. Not according to Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the only way. Well, if you're really sincere about what you believe, then that'll get you to where you need to go. You can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. It's not about the sincerity or the true belief that you believe in what you believe. There are not multiple paths to heaven. Jesus says there's one way and I'm it. And so I implore you today, if you've never received the gift of Jesus, today's your day. If you've never been forgiven by Jesus for all the wrong that you've done in your entire life, today you can receive a gift of forgiveness. And the Bible says when you do that, God forgets every wrong thing you've ever done in your life and you get to start fresh today. What a gift, the gift of starting over, a gift of a clean slate, the gift of a fresh start, new beginning. You have the opportunity for that today. But you might be here today and say, Pastor, I've already received that gift. 
I received it when I was nine years old. I said, but I'd still like a fresh start too. Jesus is always a fresh start every single day. You have the opportunity today to say, from this point forward, I remember the day before Christmas Eve, 2018, I made a commitment to start over and to put Jesus first. I received the gift of Jesus that day, and my life hasn't been the same since then. You have that opportunity today. You see, Jesus not only gives the gift of eternal life, but he also gives the gift of a purposed life. Turn back to John chapter 14, if you would. John chapter 14, verse number 12 is a very uh, interesting verse. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Here's what Jesus says. Hey, guys, I'm getting ready to leave here shortly. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to ascend back to heaven. And he said this, Everyone that believes on me, the things you've seen me do, you're going to do those things and greater. And if you're like me, you like scratch your head when you say that. You're like, like better than Jesus? Like how does that even happen? He wasn't talking about the fact that you and I would raise people from the dead. He wasn't talking about the fact that you and I would have the opportunity to heal people when they're sick. He wasn't talking about you and I get to feed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. It wasn't what he was talking about. He was talking about the things that you've seen me do, the way that I love people, the way that I care for people, the way that I'm compassionate the way that I share my life with people, you'll have the opportunity to do that and even to a greater degree. You say, how can we do it greater, to a greater degree than Jesus? Jesus was one man, mind you, he was an awesome man because he was God in the flesh, but his works were very localized to the area of Jerusalem and the areas around Jerusalem. You and I have the opportunity to take the works of Jesus and take those things worldwide. You see, Jesus won't have the opportunity to spend Christmas with you in your home, but you can be there in place of Jesus, and the Spirit of Jesus can be with you. You see, your workplace, Jesus won't pull up a chair in a cubicle in your workplace, but you have the opportunity to go and pull up a chair in the name of Jesus in a cubicle in your workplace, and you have the opportunity to show Jesus to people around you. And Jesus said, the things you've seen me do, you're going to go do those things even to a greater degree. And what would happen if Jesus' work wasn't localized to just Jesus, but a couple hundred people that decide this week to go out and be the face of Jesus to someone in our community? What would happen then? Greater works than these is what Jesus said. And I'm telling you this, when you put Jesus first, you'll stop living for yourself and you'll start living for other people. It's not about me and what I can get out of life. It's about what I can give to other people. I have to confess to you guys, I haven't gotten all my Christmas shopping done yet. I know I'm super behind. Uh, I also know that the mall is open a little bit later today than they should be. Uh, and I've got a, just a block away, I can go get all my Christmas shopping done. Everything else fails and falls apart. I can always send an email, Amazon gift card, right? That's like the, the, the nuclear option if I don't get it all done. But you know what this year our family has tried to do? We've tried to focus on less on what we're getting for each other or for ourselves and we try to look at what we can give to other people. Honestly, we haven't had a time to do a lot of Christmas shopping because we're trying to be a blessing to other people. We're trying to have folks in our home. We're trying to write uh, Christmas cards to everybody that we can think of. We're trying to uh, give gifts to people that we know in our lives that we want to bless and we want to get to Jesus. We just try to focus more on others instead of focusing on ourselves. And you know, honestly, 
if I wake up on Christmas morning and there's no tr- uh, gifts under the tree with my name on it, I'm actually kind of okay with that. You know why? Because Christmas isn't about me. It's about Jesus and about what I can give to other people. That's what the most important part of it is. And let me tell you, when you start following Jesus, you have a new purpose for life. Life takes on a totally different turn because it's less about what I can get and how happy I am. It's more about what I can give and how I can serve other people. And Jesus saves us not only from our sin, but from a purposeless life. And Jesus gives us new purpose. Jesus gives us the gift of answered prayer. He says in verse number 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Jesus gives us the opportunity to be able to go to God and say, God, I need help. Can you help me? Now, this doesn't mean that I can just say whatever I want and God gives it to me. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures of the new Corvette that's coming out online. Oh, my soul. It's like a mid-engine Corvette. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I can't pray for a 2020 Corvette and expect God to just show up on the front doorstep with the keys in it. It's not going to work that way. I can't pray that God's going to give me a Lamborghini or a Ferrari and just assume that it's going to show up. That's not what he's talking about. He says, ask in my name and according to my will. I want to pray for the things that Jesus would pray for. God, would you help me to be a good husband for my wife this Christmas? Would you help me to love my children and show them the love of Jesus this Christmas? God, would you help me to show my friends that I have at the gym what Jesus looks like in another person? Those are the types of prayers that God answers. Many times, though, we pray, God, give me prayers. Hey, God, give me money for rent. Hey, God, give me money for my carpet. Hey, God, uh, give me this. Give me health. Give me wealth. Give me prosperity. And God says, those things aren't necessarily always according to my will. But he says, if you ask according to my will, I'm going to do it for you. And that's a gift that we have that God hears us and acts on our behalf because of what Jesus has done. Here's the most important thing in the world, though. Jesus is the gift that you must receive. You got to receive it. Hey, a gift is only good if you get to unwrap it and use it. A gift is only good if you can receive it. But you got to receive it. If Jesus is the gift that you leave under the tree unwrapped, I'll I'll get to it when I'm ready for it. I'll get to that one of these days when I'm ready to to turn my life around. I'll I'll find Jesus then. I've heard people say foolish things before, like, well, when I'm on my deathbed or when I'm about to die, then I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And I always ask the question, when will that be? Do you know when your appointed time is on this earth to be over? I don't. But you have to receive it. You see, I wish this was a gift that every single person automatically opened and applied to their life, but it doesn't work that way. You have to receive it. Have you received the gift of Jesus? Has there been a time in your life where you say, Pastor, I've been saved, I've been born again, I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior? If so, you've received the gift of Jesus, now it's time to pass it on to somebody else. But maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, if I die today, I'm not 100% sure that heaven's my home. I don't know for sure that my sins are forgiven. Today, God is giving you a gift. And his name's Jesus. What will you do with it? Will you accept it or will you reject it? Final thoughts this morning. How can we re-gift Jesus at this Christmas time? First of all, make Jesus the center of Christmas. (laughs) 
Make sure that, you, that everybody around you knows that you're a Christian and that Christmas is like the Super Bowl for Christians because it's the time we celebrate Jesus. For us, we have a, a Christmas tree in our home and uh, every single one of our ornaments that we have on our tree has a, a story behind it of a place we went on vacation and we got a Christmas ornament or uh, we sometimes get the, those goofy uh, Christmas ornaments that you find at the mall where they write your name on every stocking and on there. We've got a ton of those. Oh, man. Uh, everywhere we go, my wife tries to find some Christmas shop and buy a Christmas ornament and put it on our tree. And throughout the years, we've gotten uh, a lot of great ornaments. We had an angel that we used to put on top of the tree, and it was kind of a good reminder that uh, the angel, you know, heralded the, the birth of Christ and things like that. When we moved into to our house where we're at now, the angel wouldn't fit on top because our Christmas tree went all the way to the top. So I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to confess it because we're in church today. We replaced the angel with a Chick-fil-A cow <laughs> who sits at the top of the Christmas tree with a sign that says, eat more chicken. That might be sacrilegious. If it is, I apologize for that in advance. Uh, but... Uh, Christmas is about Jesus and fried chicken. Fried chicken's always good, right? Fried chicken with sweet tea, always good. You can't go wrong with that. But make Christmas about Jesus. Make sure that if you got kids in the house, they remember, hey, this is Jesus' birthday. Hey, our kids could have come and sang any song this morning, but you know what they sang? Happy birthday, Jesus, because that's what it's about. All the presents are great, but it's all about Jesus. Next. Make Christmas Eve worship part of your Christmas tradition. Tomorrow night we'll have a Christmas Eve service. It won't be a long service. It's going to start at 6 o'clock on the dot. We'll be out of here by 7 o'clock. Join us for that. Make it a Christmas tradition. Uh, somebody asked uh, our kids the other day, uh, actually it was last Christmas, somebody asked them, said, hey, does your family have any Christmas traditions? And my kids said, no. Are you kidding me? And I would begin to name off all the things we do as a family. They're like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's just what we do. That's what a tradition is, bonehead. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> then think about it. It's just what our family does every year. That's tradition. Part of our family tradition is Christmas Eve. We go to church, and we sing songs about Jesus. Uh, and then we go home after that, then we uh, get ready for the next day. And so uh, make that part of your, your regular cr family tradition. Bring somebody with you. Did you know that your neighbor probably wants to sing some Christmas songs on Christmas Eve? They just don't know where to go. Invite somebody to come be your guest. Inside your bulletin today, you find, you'll find one invitation. Treat that like the Willy Wonka golden ticket and do something with it, okay? Give it to somebody and say, hey, my church is having this Christmas evening and I'd love to have you come and be my guest. Celebrate Christmas with our family. Next, read Luke chapter two on Christmas morning. This is a Christmas story. The kids quoted some of uh, Luke chapter two this morning. But our family, we get up and the kids know before you touch a single present, before you ever even think about peeking in your stocking, no, we're going to read the Christmas story because this is what Christmas is all about. We're going to hear about how Jesus Christ was born in a manger. And the child that was born that day was Christ the Lord. And that's part of our family tradition. Before anybody touches anything, we read Luke chapter 2. Now, mind you, if this is not already one of your family traditions, your kids might revolt at first, okay? Do we really have to read the Bible? We went to church last night. We went to church on Sunday. Do we have to read the Bible before we open presents? Our kids did that when we started this tradition. But now it's just kind of what we do every Christmas. We stop and we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. Next, give a gospel-themed book or a Bible as a gift. Uh, for us, we have these books on the back table called Paid in Full. It tells the story of what Jesus has done for us and how he paid the price for our sins. These are free to you at no cost if you'll invest it in someone's life. Grab one of these, give it to somebody. Uh, I like to take these and put a $5 Starbucks gift card in the front and say, have a cup of coffee and read this book on me. 
just a, a nice way to share truth with somebody. If you know somebody who's a parent, needs a good parenting book, we got books in our bookstore back here. But just try to do something that causes people to think about Jesus and all that he's done. We have a, a lot of different Bibles in the back and uh, Bibles for kids and things like that that you're welcome uh, to, to get as well. Final thought, make a big deal about Christmas and Easter. Two biggest holidays on the, the calendar for any Christian. Christmas is the birth of Jesus. He came as a promise of God to save us from our sins. Easter is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to pay for the sins of mankind. It's the two biggest holidays on any calendar for sure. And again, please don't get into where it came from and uh, what it was derived from and who started it and things like that. All I know is this. On the calendar every single year is Christmas and Easter and it points to the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. I'm gonna celebrate that until Jesus comes. Make a big deal out of it. Hey, the big deal is not the presents. I hope you have presents. The big deal is not Santa Claus. I hope he comes. But know this. The big deal is all about Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never received the gift of Jesus, make today your day. I'll give you the opportunity in just a moment to accept that gift today. It'll be the best Christmas you've ever had, I promise. But if you're here today and you said, I've already gotten the gift, first of all, use the gift and then re-gift the gift of Jesus.